0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, May 28th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Sporting Kansas City has announced that former goalkeeper Jimmy Nielsen will be recognized at a game next month as a sporting legend that's tantamount to being inducted into the team's Hall of Fame. It's a well-deserved honor for a player who helped the franchise win several trophies, including the 2013 MLS Cup in a shootout. There's a current sporting player who's on a path to a similar honor. Alan Polito has been outstanding this season, and in the previous two games, he's recorded three goals, assisted on another, and was around the ball on the other two. Ali Trost of Sports Radio 810 and Sean Goodwin, who covers soccer for the Kansas City Star, break down Polito's recent excellence on today's show. After a break, the conversation turns to NWSL. The expansion team still looking for its first victory this season, but looking good while doing We'll explain. Let's get started with Allie Trost and Sean Goodman. Hey guys, I spent the 15 minutes before uh, starting this podcast watching the 2013 MLS Cup quite uh quite a game it was uh, it te- it was tense it was it was close the entire way sporting kansas city playing real salt lake in the bitter bitter cold temperature of uh, it was in the teens i believe that day in in kansas city i was in atlanta covering missouri's sec championship game against auburn I was the only person in the press box who would go back to watch on the bank of televisions the MLS Cup because I had it on TV there. The reason I bring it up is Jimmy Nielsen, the goalkeeper uh, on that team, who had a fascinating four-year career with Sporting Kansas City, we learned this week, has been identified as the next sporting legend. So he'll be honored by the club at a game in uh, late June, and I can't think of a more deserving player. Allie, I don't think you were around Kansas City when Sporting won the MLS Cup, but you've gotten to know Jimmy Nielsen a little bit since then, haven't you?
1: Blair, I I was probably watching that Mizzou game, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I think I was uh, trying to sneak my way into Harpo's at that point to try and watch that one. But no, I mean, just so well-deserved. And I mean, it was something that I think a lot of fans and people close to sporting knew would be coming at some point. And yeah, just when you look at the trophies, when you look at just the way that that U.S. Open Cup 2012 game and then, of course, the 2013 MLS Cup game against Real Salt Lake, they just happen in such exciting fashion. And Jimmy Nielsen played such a critical role in, in the success and to get sporting to lift those trophies. And, you know, in that 2013 game really did play through uh, quite a quite an injury, broken ribs and the bitter cold. The ground, he said earlier this week, felt like Concrete Because of, you know, a faulty field heater that kept one side not as as warm and heated as the other. So just, you know, someone who whether it was it was during his time wearing a sporting uniform or after his time has just been such a an important part of the club is someone that Peter Vermees has talked so highly of and, and just really very few more deserving. He played a, a big role in helping bring Tim Melia to uh, Sporting Kansas City, uh, scouting him at, in the, at the USL level in Oklahoma and called Peter Vermees and carries the bag and was like, yeah, you need to sign this guy. And if you don't, I will. And so, you know, just not someone who only so good at what he did, but really has a, a gift for identifying talent as well As as you saw. Now looking back, huge move for Sporting Kansas City. They have a history of such successful goalkeeping, which is very hard to find and so to see jimmy nielsen's part and all of that is, is just so cool and just someone who has such an incredible story and, and kansas City's really lucky to have him here and and really looking forward to that game against the colorado rapids where they will honor him later next month
0: so four years uh, with sporting kansas city uh, a lot of trophies that uh, that he accumulated and the team did in his time here he came from denmark And I think his idea was just to spend a year here. He didn't, you know, he gets over here and they're playing in Community America Ballpark. He doesn't really know what to make of that. But during his time here, Children's Mercy Park is built and opened and the Kansas City Wizards become Sporting Kansas City. So uh, a lot of things changed in that four-year period when when Jimmy Nielsen was here. Very deserving and I think a great move on Sporting Kansas City's part to make the announcement uh, this year. Okay, let's let's keep it on Sporting Kansas City. I was totally impressed with their effort out in San Jose. Generally speaking, I mean, they, they they give up give up the goal in the first three three and a half minutes, and you think, uh oh, San Jose at home, different kind of team. But man, just a tsunami uh, of goals for Sporting Kansas City. They went three to one, and I got to tell you guys, these last two games for Sporting, the Vancouver game and San Jose game, they win by a combined six to one. And Alan Polito had something to do with every one of those goals. Every time I see him, I'm impressed. And I don't know if I've ever been more impressed than what I've seen these last couple of games, Sean.
2: Yeah, and now he's going off to the Mexican national team, of course. I know, right? His peak, would... right now.
0: I don't want that to happen. Can you do something about that? Oh, I'll, I, I'll, I'll be interested in his games there. I want to see him play uh, with the Mexican national team as well.
2: I'd love to see him play for the Mexican national team and maybe he's done something to impress the coaching staff there. But, I mean, can't forget the last time he went with the national team was the tail end of last season. He went out to Europe for, what, two games? And he, he plays played. a cumulative 14 minutes right. as a substitute. So, yeah, I mean, if you're in Kansas City... Obviously, for every player, and Peter Vermees always says this, he's never going to deny a player being called up to a national team. It's the gracious honour for a player. But at the same time, think, you know, if they were going there and able to start playing and scoring all the goals, that's even better. But when it's a guy like Pulido, which in Kansas City, we know how good he is and how good he's been performing. Uh, but it's a secret that the Mexican national team also has a plethora of good players. So when he goes away... and barely gets minutes and misses games for Sporting KC, and sometimes comes back with injuries still. It's frustrating, but now he's been massively immense this soccer season. I Honestly, I think I, I think that's what we were promised last season, to be honest. It was just the injuries and the call-ups, and obviously the bridge season just really cut down what we could have seen from him. At like the start of this season, I wrote, a, it was like a top 10 things to be excited for for Sporting KC this season. And one of the points I made was... If Alan Plesos stays fit the whole season, he could definitely be, if not a goals and boot candidate, at least in the MVP conversation. Early season, you know, there's been other players around the league who've been doing really well. But, I mean, it's not just good goal scoring with him. And, you know, he's not just a false nine in the sense he drops back because he does get in those goal scoring positions too. But I think it's funny because Sports and KC, they spent 10 million on what force thought would be one of their best goal scorers ever. And they also managed to spend 10 million on probably one of their best playmakers ever too. A, he's both rolling to one. Really excited to see where we go from here with him. I mean, just, you know, the last couple of games, like we are talking about, his goal and assist versus San Jose. Good jailing to Lindsay. Great run from Lindsay. It broke down at San Jose, man-marking Sisk. But again, just players were swarming around police, and he just did over the top, writing to Lindsay's really, It's beautiful.
1: Sean, I will counter with the, because I know it is mostly negative for Sporting missing Alan Pulido on international duty. But on one side, you know, the more and more opportunities that he gets and potentially earning more minutes with the Mexican national team will only make him better, which, you know, with Sporting Kansas City, what we've seen as of late, it's hard to imagine him getting much better than he's already been. But you're so right. Not only did Sporting get a number nine, a goal scorer, but they also got one of the best playmakers that we're seeing in MLS. And he just makes everyone on this sporting team around him better. You can just tell now that he's gotten more minutes and is because, is just so much more apart. It was just so back and forth at times last season. It, was, it wasn't it was as consistent. And now those consistent showings with Alan Polito on the field has just really brought up. I think the level of play and you can just see the chemistry building between him and the rest of this team. And then can especially see it, of course, in the goals being scored, but I think in the possession as well, the chances that they've been creating have just been fantastic. And and when this team plays that way, you could put them up there with any of the best teams in major league soccer. And they are definitely one of those teams right now.
2: Yeah. And I I just want to say, he makes it look so easy. I know I'm thinking about that goal versus Vancouver. Yeah. He just receives it. the box. Gets a little bit of space for himself, knocks it, you know, knocks it inside and beats the goalkeeper as an near post. And he looks like he didn't even break a sweat. And I'm just sitting there like, who is this man? Like, he makes it look so easy. It's a pleasure to watch, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had a chance to see him in person, it's so much different than TV, I'm just saying.
0: His vision and anticipation are unlike I'm used to seeing at the at the MLS level. It was his goal against San Jose, which was a laser beam. He had a laser beam goal against San Jose that went off the the, the crossbar and, and found enough of it to, to bounce in. I just didn't know he had that strong a leg.
1: To go off of what Sean just said, if you haven't gotten to watch him up close in person, like I don't think you can realize when watching him on TV just how strong he is. Like he is a very strong player and that is something that I don't think comes through as much on TV outside of seeing him absolutely rip the leather off the ball when he shoots it
2: <laughs> yeah I think I heard you talking about it at practice the a day Ali we were talking about players and strength and how strong Buzio is but it's not just like you know I mean it was not like Buzio moves out to position his body and work the ball and whatnot Polizo was literally just a bull you know, he's yeah. <laughs> he literally just, he'll just knock players off the ball. And yes, he knows how to position his ball team stuff, but he doesn't need to do that. He's just like, nope, I'm stronger than you. I will knock you off the ball and I will laser the ball into the top corner. And he just makes it look effortless. I'm like, where's this man been my whole life?
0: <laughs> hey, you know, it was fun to see uh, Jalen Lindsay with his first career goal. A developmental player, right? From North Carolina. Seems like I've heard that story before.
1: Hmm.
2: I wonder.
0: <laughs> nice touch, but. You, you take a goal from anybody there, but it, the fact that it came from somebody who was scouted and developed by Sporting Kansas City kind of makes it all the more sweeter, doesn't it?
2: I didn't yeah. realize he'd be a forward in his youth at one point as well. Didn't find that out till practice this past weekend. He, I guess he, he just tapped back into it real quick because yeah, it was a beautiful first touch, and he's got Cade Cow on his back, one of the, the best upcoming youngsters in MLS, along with Buzio. We're kind of you know, two of the big three or four players, and yeah, he just. Beats him for pace and Lindsay was saying he thought carl was a couple of steps off his back but you know he was right on his back he was right there so he had to take that perfect touch and yeah just the quick little slot goal past the goalkeeper into the corner like he offers a post as well he looked like a, a prime forward so i think he just tapped into his a former version of himself real quick
1: the composure for me was what was most impressive because it wasn't just that he did put the perfectly weighted touch on the ball, which in and of itself is difficult to do when you've got a player that's gaining on you. And Lindsey did say as well that it looked like he was closer to him when you were looking at like the the footage and the game tape, but he didn't feel like he was that close to him. So Jalen must've done a good enough job to get at least enough separation to give himself the ability to make that touch, but then perfectly placed the ball again, just not, it looks like the easiest goal, but it is not the easiest one to score. And he had mentioned, you know, that is that is a play that they run through in training. And so the fact that he was able to take that because doing it on the training field is one thing, but to then have that translate in a real game situation under pressure is just the mark of a player that is getting more experience. And I think you're seeing moments from Jalen Lindsay as of late, that experience is is really shining through in individual moments and then in performances as a whole. So that was really exciting to see. But something else from Jalen Lindsay that I think is going to be important to watch for been this full capacity opener, I guess we can call it. Some of these young guys have played a lot of minutes in games that have not had a full crowd. And when you don't have a full crowd, you don't have Um, as much noise or just things that make it hard for you to either hear instructions from your teammates or your coaching staff and technical staff. And then also makes it hard to pick up on things that you might be able to hear from other teams. And so that I think is an important thing to watch with some of these young guys. How do they perform when it might be a little bit more difficult to hear in the moment, some of that instruction that might be really critical in these early years and games for them. He, he did say that that, will be a little bit difficult but you hope now like with some of the experience that he's gained over the last couple of seasons that you know some of that muscle memory and also just knowing where to go uh is going to to help them out in moments where they're like well I can't hear so I think this is what I'm supposed to do yeah
0: full capacity expected right on on Saturday against against Houston and this is a Sporting's last uh, loss right Sean it was a uh, One nothing loss at Houston. I didn't think they played terribly in that game. Just couldn't get a goal. But it's uh, it's also a team I, I think they should match up well against.
2: Yeah, I mean Houston's always been a team where I'm not sure what the overall record is between the two teams. But uh, in recent years, it, it, yeah, it's never been a long size affair, especially with COVID. Kinds of, you know, teams playing in more regionalized sections. We There's been a lot of games against Houston in uh, the last year or so. I'm getting a little tired of them. I'm tired of Houston. Um, <laughs> on the women's side as well, with uh, Woso, they're always playing Houston. I'm tired of that city. You just have to look at, yeah, it was the very last game that has a full capacity at Children's Mercy Park. It was the home opener versus Houston, and Kansas City wins 4 0. There's been results here and there either way. Not, nothing's popping straight to my mind right now, but yeah, that, that last game, the first half was so so. The second half, yeah, they were pretty the chances.
1: Houston was just suffocating defensively. Yeah. They they had just about every man back in the box.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, whether we see that kind of thing again, unless Houston's going to try and stick through a nil no draw. You know, they have to come out and get a goal at some point. Obviously, they did that against Kansas City last time around. And a big part of their game plan, which I asked Peter about this, and he he, he wasn't super keen to agree with me. He wasn't super agreeable that evening. But as I said, did um, Houston play a perfect game plan there? They basically sat back, they pounced on Kansas City's midfield, a loose touch even there. And they, they went on to score and kept a clean sheet. So, whether they do something similar this time around, whether Kansas City adjusts, they'll probably needs a little bit of a quicker transition uh, transition play from defense to attack just to beat that low block. Because if that's what Houston is planning again, it could be, even with the home crowds, full capacity, it could be another tough game for sure.
0: Yes, I agree. It seems like Houston has been on the schedule so often for both sporting Kansas City and WOSO. The last three championships won by Kansas City professional teams, Chiefs in the Super Bowl two years ago, the Royals in 2015, and Sporting in 2013, all had to beat a Houston team along the way in the postseason. So I imagine that Houston people are pretty tired of playing Kansas City as well. So let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, it's Blair. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Allie Trost of Sports Radio 810 and Sean Goodwin, who covers soccer for the Kansas City Star. Let's switch and talk about KCNWSL lost the regular season home opener earlier this week. But before we talk about that, we did not get a chance to speak to Allie last week. You were so busy, Allie. And I think <laughs> one, of the, one of your duties was putting together media for the unveiling of the kits. I'm not a big uniform person. I'm just not. But I just think these are tremendous. I I love the color scheme and the the teal socks with the red works for me. I showed them to my wife and she loved them. And so I I just thought that was tremendous. It, It seemed like NWSL got the bounce out of that they were looking for.
1: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting a teal home kit. Um, but I personally am a big fan of the red with the teal as an accent, just a huge credit to this NWSL team. I mean, I know a lot of people are, are still anxious to find out what the name's going to be. But the fact that they really hit a home run with this inaugural season crest and, and color scheme says a lot about the quality of people that they're involving in this process early on. That's, that's a big thing. And that's something that fans and players really identify with. That's how people recognize your team. And the fact that this color scheme and this this crest have really just taken off and have been really just adopted by fans with so much excitement and that they really nailed it with the the red kits and with the teal socks. It's, it's such a sharp look and it's such a unique color scheme. Like teal is not a common color, I think, across most sports. And, and it's just something that Kansas City has really, I think, just taken off with. And I think the way that they have taken this brand and in just such a short amount of time evolved it and have just made it their own it is really remarkable so I think it looks super sharp it looks fantastic on the field on Wednesday night and and I know the players really like it as well
2: I have a question for you Ali I, I guess I'll premise my thoughts on the case face first which I love the kits again regs my favorite color and you like being Liverpool and the Chiefs of course I, I love the kits, when I'm a little confused when the home jersey comes out such red as a like primary color it looks great, but I'm kind of like, what, what, what about the whole teal theme as a whole? My, my thought process, just being a teal, is too close to white, which is a lot of road jerseys, and the league wasn't down with it. I don't know. I don't know if you know against this.
1: I am not entirely sure, and I I don't know if if the plan was to maybe do teal, and then there was a reason that they could not. But I think that the red is one a really solid accent color for them and to me i think if it had been an all teal situation it would have almost made the teal feel a little bit overdone i think finally finding a a place to like make that red the dominant color just works and then you've got the consistency with the teal socks all the way around i don't know i don't have the answer to that but i i do know that the kits were very well received by by the players and and i saw i got to pick one up and and hold it and everything the material is amazing. So if you want to splurge and spend the like 130 bucks it costs to get your own, I salute you, but it will be well worth the money because they are, they're really nice.
2: I'm chatting to Chris Long after the Houston game, just about branding. So I'll ask him, Chris, if you're listening to this, there's a question in advance. I'm going to ask about. (laughs)
0: You know, I've just, I've never seen those two colors together on a uniform, It's just unique, right? It's, it's a unique look. So, Sean, let me ask you this. Uh, How close is WOSO to to getting a W? It's been seven games now with Challenge Cup and now three in the regular season. Two draws and a loss in the regular season. How close is this team to getting a victory?
2: I I was thinking about this on the way home from the game. It's it's tough because, you know, you watch the game and you watch them play, and they, they look good. They're playing well. It's just the quality in this league is so high. And there's so many national stars for every single team. Uh, and, I mean, you look at Kansas City, you've got speaking Asian stars. One of them, Victoria Pickett, wasn't called up his most recent round. Pickett, she's a rookie. Listro, kind of a rookie. And then Desiree Scott, who, I mean, she's the best in midfield. You've got Mariana kess who's new to the team. Outside of that, I'm trying to think, maybe you can think of any international players on that team, Ali.
1: Rachel Corsi. But then you've got, of course, former national team stars like Amy Rodriguez, Nicole Barnhart, who have a ton of experience. But as far as like current national team players, that's what
2: I've got. I mean, just going back to my point, yeah, good, good play and good football. It's just the quality in this league is so high where even, you know, you look at the most recent game they just lost. They could play a great first half, they can't break through. And then you've got, you know, the second half in a space of, what, six minutes, Chicago scores two goals. They okay, bring out Mallory Pugh, who, is, of course, you know, she was a great player. She was before her injury last year, and it's just it came over. So, to answer your question, Blair, first wing. I, I would have said Orlando in a, a former life, but Orlando started the season really strong. They've okay, just beaten North Carolina Courage 2-1. After that, we've got Houston again. <laughs> and then Portland following that as well. So that's the next three games. You know, Houston is as good as they are, and... I mean, 2-2 two, in two. Houston. That is a good result, all things considered, because Houston is a very good team. When you look at those next three games, you probably have to try and take advantage of that Orlando game, though. Because, yes, Orlando is off to a hot start. It's also an Orlando team that doesn't win a single game in, like, 500 days or something stupid. So, I don't know. What, what do you yeah. think, Al?
1: I think they're only as close to a win as their injury report will allow them to be. I think finding that consistency especially when you're up against quality opponents week in and week out is just so important. And when you don't have your full complement of players available or you're, you're getting players back, but they're not 90 minutes fit. And then you have to be strategic with substitutions and, and how, how long players are going. And, and when you can't find that consistency, which I think is what mostly hurt KC in that game against Chicago. Of course, when you bring in Mal Pugh and Kalia Watt, you're going to be up against like a much more uh, dangerous attack than when they're not on the field. And that was something that I think Kansas City may have been better equipped to handle if Taylor Leach hadn't had to leave the game at halftime with a knee injury. So it's just little things like that, that take the team out of the rhythm that they had been building over the course of 45 minutes. But Sean, you said it. When you create chances, and, and, and I would say Kansas City had the better you know, of Chicago for, in that first half, creating no, chances, no. bringing the pressure offensively, you got to put some away. And, and Coach Williams did say that after the Houston game as well. they got to head first, and then you got to put teams away when you have the momentum and when you have the chances. And so it's going to be building blocks in each game. Amy Rodriguez said this. Victoria Pickett said it after that Chicago loss on Wednesday. Lessons are to be learned there. But when you don't have the depth that is required to stay engaged and competitive for a full 90 minute, um, you know, the giveaway from Desiree Scott in the midfield that uh, led to that second goal, you know, it's just things like that that are directly related to fatigue and miscommunication as well when you have different players coming in and out that disrupts the rhythm of of the group. And so it's just, it's little things like that, building that continuity. So I think it's going to come with time, but Sean, you bring up a great point. When You've got some really tough opponents each week and Orlando is currently sitting in first place in the standings right now. Uh, It's going to be a tough task. We'll see what happens, but I think the injury report's going to say a lot about where this Kansas City team is at and and can be. That's something that I think I'll have my eye on for sure.
0: Okay, just a couple of moments left. Allie, you have started a new venture on Saturdays. Tell us about
1: that. Kickoff with Allie will air from 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday. For anyone who doesn't know anything about me or like kind of my backstory, why I got into sports, I love interviewing people. I love soccer, of course. So we'll be talking a lot of soccer for sure. The show will be a variety of things, but mostly just some good, fun, informative interview with anyone in the sports world across any sport that you want. Let me know. And I'll try to bring it to you. We'll be introducing other fun segments as the show kind of progresses this weekend. Uh, Chad Reynolds, my co-host on the Final Whistle post-game show for Sporting Kansas City, will join me. We actually are going to talk branding and MLS and sports as a whole. We'll talk Sporting KC preseason expectations versus reality. And then we have a really fun segment to close things out where we are going to uh, talk some soccer rules, one serious like, rule that we would change or add, and then a fun one as well. These are the things that soccer nerds like to talk about. So that's coming up Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. And You can find the podcast version of the show on 810whb.com, working on getting it on all podcast platforms. Listen to wherever you get your podcast. I can't say that yet.
0: <laughs> All, right. All right, Allie. Fantastic. Looking forward to listening to that. And Sean Goodwin, always, always looking forward to reading your stuff in the Kansas City Star. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank Thanks, Blair.
0: That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to the production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Shout out to Allie Trost of Sports Radio 810 and Sean Goodwin of the Kansas City Star for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to Sean's stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star. Plus, many more stories that appear only on the website. And of course, they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like or to be KC. Thanks for listening. We're going to take Memorial Day off. So we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode.